0: Can't believe we have to say this, friends, but we're putting a content notice on this week's episode of Gotta Grow Up Sometime. Uh, Please be aware that we do discuss grooming and sexual abuse of minors. Uh, And if you don't want to hear us making stupid jokes about that, which is understandable, maybe skip this one. All right.
1: Bye. This podcast features adults using adult language, but, you know, you gotta grow up sometime.
0: Anxiety. I feel a little bit of anxiety on Garrett's behalf after uh, after watching this episode.
1: There, yeah.
0: I feel like bad things are coming for him.
1: Yeah, I, I feel I, like the, the, the um what would I call it, the coven? The coven is gathering. <laughs> the coven.
0: Nancy is a witch. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I like her so much. Anyway, this has Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective, and I'm Libby Grant.
1: I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey.
0: Yay, and we watched episode 18 of Swan's Crossing. Yeah, we did. Wow, action. After the previous episode, which was a little (sighs) slow.
1: Nothing happening in the last episode. This episode, so many things. We meet Mrs. Booth.
0: My god, it was incredible.
1: In a quote-unquote department store. (laughs)
0: I have thoughts about that story. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. this episode.
0: Well, let's talk about your predictions from last time.
1: I feel like as I was watching the episode, I was like, hey, I feel like I might have predicted this. And I can't remember if I predicted it for this episode or if I predicted things for like three episodes <laughs> ago at this point.
0: Well, some things you predicted did come true. But All right, last let's week, hit it. you predicted that Mila would finally go to Owen's studio. That happened.
1: Crushed it. That
0: Sandy would have some real de- depression issues over Owen liking Mila. Not, not yet. Not yet, but you can see it coming.
1: But but damn, some depression issues for sure.
0: <laughs> oh, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy, please get on Lexapro or something. Right. Just come on. Uh, you predicted that, that we would get an intense Owen fever dream about Mila, maybe in the gold dress playing the drums. The drums didn't happen, but there were intense fever dreams. Yeah, there were. Plural. Uh, You predicted Garrett and Mila would have some kind of after the soda shop scene together being flirty or romantic, and Garrett would say his catchphrase in connection with this moment.
1: Sydney was not in the episode at all. No. And Garrett did not say the catchphrase.
0: No, it was very sad. You predicted that Glory would be back that uh, happened, that she would find out the plan that Nancy and Sydney are hatching and would be put in the middle between her brother and her friends.
1: Well, that hasn't happened yet.
0: But it. But well, she's but it,
1: part of the coven.
0: Yeah, she's part of the coven and she's getting roped into the plan. So mm-hmm. I'm giving you that one too.
1: Yeah. I sometimes wonder, for people who are listening to our podcast but have not watched Swans Crossing, like what they actually think happens in the show. <laughs> Like, is there actually a coven of witches?
0: I mean, there might as well be.
1: Hopefully no one is listening to this podcast who hasn't already watched this bizarre, wonderful gem.
0: I, At, at least a couple people are. I know that. I know my sister has checked it out. And I know for some reason my assistant, Tim, has checked it out. I think he was hoping there would be something he could use in here to help, like, build a more, stronger brand for my book business, Mm. which is what I hired him for. Instead, I think he's probably just deeply confused by everything that's
1: going on. That makes sense. He's probably trying to hide this, (laughs) hide this podcast in the dark recesses of the web.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know how many weeks we were into this, but he sent me a text and he said, I'm listening to your swan podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I texted him back, Why? (laughs) Um, you also said you had no idea what the evil plan might be, but probably something terrible involving Garrett's minibike, and that Jimmy would be roped in without his knowledge. We don't
1: really get any details about the plan, other than it involves a meeting of the coven.
0: Yeah. You predicted Jimmy's arm would be much better, because of the power of his motorcycle fantasies. Absolutely correct. Yeah. 100%. Yes,
1: yes. He has the power to lift bread. <laughs>
0: He is, after all, a mighty sorcerer. That's right. And you predicted that we would finally start building the stage. Did nope. not
1: happen. Nope.
0: But all in all, ver- probably your your most solid spate of predictions to date.
1: Well done. At fifty percent, It's yes. roughly tied with every <laughs> other high prediction.
0: It's it's the best you can possibly yeah. do at any given time with this. It's like when they set up tests to predict if someone really has psychic powers or not. Like if you can get. 50% of the guesses is correct. Like, that's unusual. Mm. That's unusually high. Mm-hmm. So you're psychic. All right. We open on God knows what kind of set at first. I thought it was like if you mashed Mila's bedroom and the wall of TV- TVs from Swans together. It's just like pink drapery everywhere and behind a veil of pink semi-transparent curtains, the wall of TVs, but all the screens are dark.
1: I thought I thought this was Mila's bedroom as well. Yeah. I was very confused about where we were.
0: It's so pink. Perhaps this is a metaphor for Sandy's inner life, because it is dead silent.
1: So quiet.
0: And empty. It's just Sandy sitting alone at a long table with a gold-framed mirror in front of her, and she's badly applying makeup.
1: Yes. And we hear this voice say, Can I help you? And Sydney turns around, startled... And it's Mrs. Booth, Grant and Glory's mother. Yes. And literally my notes say, is this a department store? (laughs) Question mark, question mark, question mark.
0: (laughs) And we don't find out right away because like we get a very, very long camera hold on Sandy looking terrified. She looks like Mrs. Booth is a vampire who's about
1: (laughs) to suck her blood. Well, I... I actually wonder if this is partially because she is a teenager at a makeup counter in a department store for the first time, not really understanding how this stuff is supposed to work. Like, I've been caught. Am I stealing? <laughs> is this is this not what I'm supposed to be doing? How does this work?
0: Maybe that's part of it.
1: Also, I've never been to a makeup counter obviously. Do they like sanitize things between customers or do you just like go in and use the lipstick that the person before you also used?
0: No they put out like um like q-tips and just like single use disposable things so you can kind of get some of the makeup on that and put it on but people just stick their fingers in it and like put the lipstick on directly on their mouths all the time. I used to work at Nordstrom. I saw this shit in action. It was creepy. Yeah I wouldn't do it if I were you. Just asking for something kind of weird. After infection. COVID. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> Y'all right. gonna get COVID from that? Yeah. Um. We, so we we go,
1: cut to Gloria's bedroom. We do. And a mound of tissues. And my favorite thing about these tissues, because she's obviously been having a bad time. She's been having a bad time. She's been crying or something. <laughs> this mound of tissues is all different pastel colors. Yes. As if every time she has reached for a tissue, she has reached into a different box of tissues.
0: Or does she have a box of multicolored tissues?
1: I've never in my life seen that. Is this a rich people thing? Is
0: this a rich people thing? I want to know. Maybe in the 90s it was.
1: Anyway, uh, Garrett comes in. He takes down the photo shade in Glory's window. Who is that dude? Fabian. Fabian. Jeez Louise.
0: Fucking Fabian shade.
1: And after he's been in the room for like two minutes, he's like, you look horrible.
0: Thanks for noticing, Garrett. Yeah. Good job,
1: buddy. Uh, apparently, Glory left a message with JT yesterday. He never called. And Garrett is in a tremendously chipper mood for Garrett. And he's like, cheer up. JT's out of your life. Sydney's out of mine. <laughs> Boom. He's out. thrilled. Garrett out. Mic drop.
0: <laughs> so then we cut to Mila's room. She's talking on the phone with Nancy while she tosses various skimpy bathing suits around.
1: No, She's- no, no. Not, not around. At the first shot we get in this scene is of a stuffed bear on her coffee table, because of course her bedroom has a coffee table, and it's covered in tiny swimsuits. It is. <laughs> like, this woman has been chucking string bikinis at this tiny stuffed bear, and it is covered in very skimpy bathing suits.
0: It, it is. They're draped all over it. And she says to Nancy that she has to go meet Garrett at the pool for her swimming lesson, but she has to run an errand first.
1: Right. So the camera pans around and I'm expecting it's Mila. She's a star or whatever. I'm expecting her to be like coming through an enormous bin of of swimsuits. (laughs) And no, she has her small collection of swimsuits laid out on her poof and is, is literally like going through them and chucking the ones that she doesn't want to wear at the bear. She can see all the swimsuits on the poof. I don't understand. It's not like she has to sort them. I love how worked up you are about this. It just makes no
0: sense. It's clear that Nancy suggests all the girls should have a slumber party. And she mentions that Sydney came up with the idea. And Mila's like, oh, that sounds great. It's going to be so fun. And she says, yeah, we can have the slumber party at my house.
1: Yeah, so essentially Sydney's idea was Nancy... Call Mila. Get Mila to host a slumber party, and then get Mila to invite everyone.
0: Yes, and obviously the only people who Mila invites are all the girls in the main cast. Right. Clearly.
1: Right. Um, and <laughs> and Mila makes it very specific that she will not ask Tutu to do a video, <laughs> which is too bad because if we had gotten one, <laughs> if we had gotten a second.
0: Oh my God.
1: Tutu loves Mila video.
0: There is nothing I want more than a second Tutu loves Mila song. About a slumber party this time. Oh, yeah. Honestly, people, if you haven't already seen that, you got to go back and watch that episode. It's so good.
1: Seriously. So Mila starts writing the guest list. Yeah. And we've got Mila, Sydney, Glory, Sandy. Who is Callie? Oh, Callie Walker. gummit.
0: I just stared Sorry. at you with a look on my face like are you kidding me you need more coffee this she's morning.
1: not in the she's not in this episode I know she's so not I had forgotten who she was <laughs> You're we, can, we can cut this part out of no we're guess. leaving this part no, in
0: oh, we need to make it clear that Nathan has no object permanence when it comes to oh characters gosh. who are not in Callie
1: Walker is our favorite character what am I doing <laughs> Nathan oh my god are you okay I literally I have this in my notes who is Callie? <laughs>
0: is Callie, though? Is it's a Callie? philosophical question because Callie has been making some weird character a, swings lately. A
1: supernatural detective.
0: We cut to commercial. When we come back, we get the opening theme. Then we're back in the department store mm-hmm. where Mrs. Booth is hinting that Sandy's makeup maybe might look a little bit like trash. And yeah. she's right. She's yeah. very sweet, though. She's She has this nice Georgian accent and she's just like the nicest, kindest lady. And it makes me wonder how someone like Garrett came from her.
1: No, this makes complete sense to me. Garrett takes after his father, and Glory takes after her mother. I guess so. Because Glory is so nice.
0: Yeah, it is very weird.
1: But but Mrs. Booth is easily the most nurturing person we've seen on this show yet. Oh, for sure. Like, th- we needed her earlier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. She's trying to steer Sandy gently toward a look that flatters her instead of looking like a nightmare from Gem and the Holograms. And she's also asking her all these nice questions about what kind of look she's going for. And Sandy says she's trying to look like a rock star.
1: Yes. And Mrs. Booth makes it clear that the cosmetics counter is for experimentation. That's what it's here for. And this is the point at which I said, this looks nothing like a cosmetics counter. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a strange purple boudoir. <laughs> we got it does. Odd fake floral arrangements. There's a crystal bust of some sort of Roman emperor. Yeah. Lots of bottles. It is so bananas.
0: It is very weird. And really, I can't overemphasize this. There are sheer pink drapes everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. They could have put more time into the set. You know how when
1: you walk into a department store and the makeup is like up front... But everything is super bright. It's like white lights, white counters, glass, silver, right? The whole idea is to get light from all angles. Yep, yep. Hitting your face so you can see. And this is not that in any way, shape, or form.
0: No, indeed. And Mrs. Booth reveals that she is now working at this alleged store because Grant is running for mayor and he wanted his wife to warm up her image. Yeah. He wants her to appear to be more a woman of the people.
1: Can I just say that Mrs. Booth, so far in this scene, and we're like eight minutes into the show at this point, probably less, probably five minutes, easily the warmest character we've met so far in 18 episodes. Yeah. So Grant, go fuck yourself.
0: Grant clearly doesn't know warm if it bites him on the ass. And also, everyone in this town except for Sandy's family is filthy rich anyway, so what does it matter if you are also filthy rich as the mayor's wife?
1: Maybe. She's trying to help with the cash flow problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Probably. So Sandy asks her for her honest opinion on the makeup, and Mrs. Booth gives her a complete makeover, since she has lots of experience as a makeup artist.
1: Right. And apparently, where is it? I put it in my... uh, Making up is the only thing I know. I've been doing it for years.
0: Making up. I feel like there's supposed to be some (sighs) subtext in Mrs. Booth's dialogue here, but I'm not picking up on it, probably because... The writing is not very good.
1: What what it does seem to me like they they seem to be going for like Southern Belle with her, like yeah. older Southern Belle, like Southern Dame that sort of thing. And what I think just from listening to her dialogue, she sounds like a Southern radio drama star. She does. Making up is the only thing I know how to do. <laughs> I've been doing it for years. Anyway.
0: So we cut to the tool and die. And I love this scene oh so much. Oh my
1: gosh, it's so good.
0: It's Sophia, she's back!
1: And she's looking for Fats and or Jimmy. Yeah. Or anybody. Barrick enters the scene literally right behind her. Like oh. she comes in and it looks it looks like they've come to the shop together. Which is obviously not the case.
0: No, I actually wrote in my notes, Barrick slithers in the door behind <laughs> her like the total creep he is. Yes, he is! Um, Sophia's intrigued by the new guy And proffers all four of her names
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah she does As well as her hand for a handshake There's some weird flirting and Beric does not take her hand Yeah, Beric
0: does not take her hand And he's like, Jimmy will be here soon She says, I'm not interested in Jimmy He's just a kid Again, Jimmy is 15
1: Sophia is 17 (laughs) And Beric says, I didn't think he was that much older than you And she gets so offended She's like, I'm a junior I drive. <laughs> I have my own car. It's right outside. Yeah,
0: and then he's like, "Oh yeah." So he, he's like, "Oh yeah," that powder blue '57 Ford Fairlane Skyliner with white wall tires.
1: And he rattles it off like he, like he is some sort of secret agent, <laughs> Jason Bourne type of person who has clocked every vehicle outside the shop. Oh, oh. Dun, dun, dun.
0: <laughs> and he says it's in cream puff condition. Sophia says it is except that the top won't come down and then she flirtily says you see the problem don't you
1: it needs fixing <laughs> and Beric says only if it rains which makes no sense because if the co- if the top won't come down it's fine if it rains yeah
0: that's the ideal the top situation it's uh, so weird um so sophia says i have a feeling it's about to referring to raining so this is some such weird it's about to written... get wet
1: is what she's <laughs> yeah. saying
0: Very bad, badly written vehicular innuendo, even by Swan's Crossing standards. It's confusing and hard to follow, especially if you are a preteen watching this and you don't make the connection between rain and wet and fucking. (laughs) So... (laughs) Beric, for once, and totally out of character, sets a hard boundary. He's like... You're not getting any sex from me. You're an underage girl. I am an adult man, and that is both gross and illegal. Yeah. I don't understand why he doesn't do this with all of the teenage
1: girls. Well, I think that it's very obvious that Sophie is a little old for him. <laughs> I suppose. He nasty. So. He real so nasty. Do we need a warning label on this? <laughs> uh, when we maybe? talk about Beric? Because some, like I think, for some people, this is not a joke.
0: Okay. Let's here. We'll go silent for a moment. I'm gonna do. A quick content warning. 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 <laughs> warning. Parental words of responsibility. <laughs> yeah, so it has to have been like a choice on the part of the actor then to to not be obvious, like like his the distinction that Bill Shanks is making between sexy banter and suspicious undercover agent banter is not clear enough. Like, the two are the same. And I
1: don't really think that that's necessarily Bill Shanks' issue. I think that's a directorial thing. I do think the director
0: should have been like, we need a different take on this. Right,
1: and also, Callie Walker, we just need you to, like, tone it down. (laughs) Callie,
0: too much smoldering. Callie,
1: you've got got chemistry with, like, a potted plant. I need you to just... That potted plant is, like, withering over there. (laughs) Doesn't know how to handle your heat.
0: Which is... Amazing because I have actually seen some stuff that Stacy Mosley has done in her adult acting career, and she's fantastic. She's oh, sure a, She's is. a great actor with incredible intensity. But
1: she's a great actor in this. Oh yeah,
0: she is. She is. But uh, clearly, you know, as a teenager, wasn't refined yet to the point uh, where she could make those distinctions, which is understandable because right. kids. Right. <laughs> and
1: also, also should have had a director going. Okay. Yeah. Let's just let's let's turn it this way.
0: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent of all the problems with this show come down to the director. <laughs> For sure,
1: Sophia. Uh, they have this. They have this long, like, conversation. Very flirty from Sophia. Uh, Barrack very firmly laying down these boundaries. Uh, Sophia walks out, and Jimmy she leaves, and we see Jimmy sort of sneak into camera frame, crouched down below the tool and die counter, carrying what looks like a bag of bread.
0: It is a bag of bread.
1: <laughs> and we just cut away. <laughs>
0: So great! But also he, like, right before we cut away, he kind of looks after oh, Sophia right. yeah, and he yeah. makes this, like, fuck yeah fist pump. He's like, yeah! Uh, I did
1: it! Also, <laughs> What should, did you do, Jimmy? Yeah!
0: Should be noted, no more sling. He's carrying the bread in his supposedly bad arm. He's completely fine now. This is the day after the game when he was falling in a sling and couldn't play.
1: Right, but he did have his warlock motorcycle moment, which is probably very healing. Yeah, warlocks are not known for their healing capabilities. Just no, but you know, maybe
0: he tapped into some arcane power. There we go. We cut to Glory's bedroom again. JT still hasn't called, but Mila has about the slumber party.
1: Oh my gosh, the split screen! I love it so much. There's so much split screen in this episode, folks. so good. Apparently the party or the slumber party is tonight. Yeah. Uh, Wow. That was quick. I I didn't plan a lot of slumber parties as a teenager, um, but it seems like you would want more time to organize.
0: Yeah. I mean, typically. It is Friday. I think I did a few on the fly like that, but it was nothing big. It was just like, Hey, we're bored. Come stay at my house tonight. Type of thing. Mila says uh, they, they have a little bit of a conversation about, Garrett, of course, because it's all Mila will ever talk about. Right. And um, Mila says she thinks it's really important that if two people like each other, they should have some of the same interests. And while she's saying this, this weird out of key music is plinking in the background. So I'm not sure. Not. I'm not sure if that's supposed to mean. Mila is saying all this stuff about trust and mutual interest, and it does not apply to her and Garrett, even though she clearly thinks it does, or if it doesn't apply to Glory and JT.
1: I think it's Glory and JT. I think we're meant to start worrying that Glory and JT do not have enough similar interests because he's very into science and is always like avoiding her. That was my
0: Okay. I mean, I think that makes it. sense. It's just very awkward and strange. Again, a directorial choice that could have been better.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: They say goodbye, Glory hangs up, she dials another number, gets JT's personal answering machine, which is clearly a rich people thing when you're a teenager. The outgoing message is Since you woke up, Space Shuttle OV has made six orbits of the Earth. What have you done? Then a boy picks up the line and says, Hello. It's Neil.
1: Yeah. For those for those out there who have who were not alive during the time period in which most people got answering machines. <laughs> There was a period where like novelty answering messages were very much a thing. Oh yeah. My parents bought several tapes of various like celebrity impressions.
0: I remember those. They you were know? they were a hot item.
1: They were. They were oh. very fun. Um, and, and so this, this went on for some years where you would leave your outgoing message as something stupid, You're back when people actually called each other instead of just texting. Yeah. So, uh, this was a thing, but this actually reminds me very much of the end of, God, what is that James McAvoy, Mc, McAvoy?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, movie where he's the assassin wanted, where, uh... where he's like, what have you fucking done today? <laughs>
0: I don't so, think I've seen that one, but that sounds rad.
1: It's it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's it's not. It's the one where they bend the bullets. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, with uh, yeah, uh, Jolie. And... Yeah,
0: God, what's it called? Now I can't remember. Think of the name. Not Mr. Smith. Um,
1: is it Wanted? Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I feel wanted? like it's Wanted. Or
0: I don't know. I'm not up on my like mid two thousands action films or whatever that was. It's
1: not a great movie. Okay.
0: Anyway, well I'll skip that one.
1: Yeah, we could sc- we could cut this whole section out of the. <laughs> has nothing to do with anything.
0: Well, Neil tells her that JT's not there, and he hopes he gets home soon because we got a problem we need to work out. I mean, trouble in paradise. Neil clearly is on the verge of breaking up
1: with JT. Neil, Neil, in a very uncharacteristic move, is like, Glory, get over here quick.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Glory, she's like, can I come over and wait for you with him? And she's she's clearly trying to be cooperative too because she's like, she doesn't want to come over too late because then she'll interfere with their science boying, and she wants to make sure she's allowing JT all the space he needs to be a science boy.
1: You said science boying, <laughs> and what it sounded like in my ear was science boy. I
0: think that's the title of this episode.
1: <laughs> science boy.
0: As they hang up the phone, Neil picks up a small red notebook with a rainbow sticker of a hot air balloon on the front of it. He sighs vexed by something Oof. and we cut to commercial
1: yeah uh then when we're back uh we're in the tool and die where jimmy re-enters
0: yeah what's going why does jimmy come back he and- had
1: left apparently the tool and die and came back in still holding bread to talk to Barrack.
0: yeah so swinging that bread from his perfectly healed right arm and I think, at the first I thought, like, maybe the, that's his lunch, and the bag is, it's like a clear plastic bag, and you can clearly see that all it contains is a single banana, one apple, and an entire unsliced loaf of bread. Yeah. That's his lunch. Mm. Or so I thought.
1: Right. A lot of carbs. <laughs> yeah. A lot of carbs. He's yeah, carb-loading. You gotta
0: carbo-load if you're gonna do uh, dark magic. Right. <laughs> Jimmy admits that he'd been trying to dodge Sophia after he saw her car out front, and he suggests breakfast and says he brought some stuff from his dad's restaurant. A loaf of bread.
1: Right, and an apple and a banana. Have we Do we know that Jimmy's dad owns a restaurant? Is this new information?
0: Well, we know that he was messing with spirits, and we, we surmised that meant he owned a bar. Okay. So he owns some sort of establishment right. that sells things that people may... Got it. Sells comestibles of one type or another. Yep. Very Uh, glad I worked the word comestibles into this. That was nice. Thank you. That
1: was nice. Um, So, Jimmy notices that they forgot to cut the bread at the restaurant, which, first of all, it is a, it is, like, I cannot emphasize enough how this is like a loaf of bread that you would buy in the grocery store. Not like a, not like a sour, like a round sourdough loaf or anything like that. And... Do restaurants just, like, not buy sliced bread? Do they slice it in half? I don't know, first of all.
0: Well, it was baked <clears throat> there because he specifies that so-and-so is the baker.
1: That's right. That's right. Okay, so so they did not slice it. Uh, and Beric whips out this huge bowie knife and just, like, slams it into the yeah. loaf of bread through the bag...
0: He just casually draws a dagger and stabs the
1: bread. Yeah, without and, even blinking. And they and he pretend, he acts like this is nothing. Like this is just my knife. This is my bread knife <laughs> that I carry with me. And <laughs> Jimmy's eyes get enormous, and they continue <laughs> to have this conversation about the pastry chef at Jimmy's dad's restaurant. And then they just walk away from the bread. It's never addressed. Nobody's ever like, hey, that's a big knife. Yeah. This is a knife.
0: No one ever brings it up. Uh, they, they wander off. They, they go into small talk. Beric says, listen, you got to watch it with older women because they can be tricky. <laughs> he says, young James.
1: Young James. <laughs> young James. you got to watch it with older women.
0: <laughs> and uh, Jimmy kind of goes, you sure told Sophia. Beric says, well, she was asking for it. And then Jimmy snottily responds... Yeah, she was, wasn't she? Ugh. Fuck you, Jamie. You don't own Sophia. Oh, jeez. Ugh, so gross.
1: Uh, and then we come back to the department store, and Mrs. Booth is explaining her makeup methodology about, like, making the best of the features that you have, not trying to become something that you're not. Right. Sandy's line, I never thought I had any best features.
0: Oh, Sandy. Sandy oh needs gosh. help. Where are her parents?
1: Seriously, we have not met any of the uh, any of the swans and Oy. Sandy is in desperate need of some assistance.
0: Yeah, she does spill out all of her dreams for her rock star future though with Owen and the band they will one day form. She says she loves to sing on stage and Mrs. Booth says, "It must be wonderful to sing like that. I remember what it feels like to have a dream." <laughs> My god, what is going on with Mrs. Booth's
1: backstory? She, they're going for, like, disgraced Southern Belle. She's the Blanche Dubois of Swan's Crossing.
0: With something It's clearly happened in her past, because how else did she end up married to Grant fucking Booth? Like, I have
1: always relied on the kindness of strangers. Now um, I really want to do a streetcar. <laughs> can we? I don't. Oh my gosh, that play. I just want to bring up for a second that Sandy has this whole conversation and the choice that's been made is that while she's talking, Mrs. Booth is doing her lip makeup. (laughs) So Sandy is talking and her mouth is moving and Mrs. Booth is trying to do her lips. It is like any other choice could have been made. Eyebrows, cheeks, cheeks, any of that. But no, they were like, "Mm, God, do the lips. That's just where we're at.
0: It is wild. It's totally wild. Sandy is super excited about how great her makeup looks, and she wants to learn how to do it herself, and she says, can you teach me to do it before the campaign concert? Because for some reason, a record producer is going to be at that concert? Yeah. So, a concert for a mayoral campaign that was, until 12 hours ago, uncontested in a small town on the eastern seaboard, why is a record producer going to be there?
1: Um, Swan's Crossing is the only place left. (laughs)
0: from wheeze laughing oh god here we go next we jump to owen's garage where he's jamming on his keyboards which are which are actually making sounds this time yep and uh evan ferrante the guy who plays owen is singing in his actual voice although it's probably pre-recorded and he's a pretty good singer for a person of his age
1: and i want to just bring up the lyrics real quick here which are with my heart on my wing i am beating through the sky As I search for my horizon. I just want it noted. Deep.
0: Mila comes in, entranced by his smooth jams. She walks directly into his line of sight and lingers there for some time, but he doesn't notice her until the script calls for it.
1: And then he looks up. Instant fever dream.
0: (laughs) Instantly. It is snap of the fingers. And he hallucinates a version of Mila that's still wearing the sparkly peach dress with the jacket over the top of it. Yep.
1: And then we immediately cut to Glory and Neil missing JT. They're united. In their, in their sadness yes. that their friend is gone.
0: It is very sad. And and uh, Neil admits to Glory that JT's treating him like radioactive waste too. Mm. So so Glory finds that weirdly comforting.
1: And Glory keeps asking Neil why he's looking at the computer screen. And this happens several times throughout the scene. I think they're setting up something.
0: They must be. We don't know what it is though because the camera never looks at the computer screen. Not once. Don't know what's <laughs> happening over there.
1: Glory finds her hanky on, on a piece of furniture in JT's room and... <laughs> (laughs) she goes on about how he's supposed to carry it with him always. (laughs) Shut up, Glory.
0: It's great. And uh, Neil mentions that JT's just going through some changes and she shouldn't take it personally. And he's just in a mood over how much he hates Garrett. And that leaves both of them, Neil and Glory, out in the cold.
1: Out in the cold. Uh, And then Neil shares this tiny notebook. And apparently it's JT's poems that he's written. And JT gave it to Neil. And I was like... I finally understood what you've meant for so long about these two being made for each other. No teenage boy who is like 100% straight is going to show any poems to any other teenage boy. No. That is just like a non-starter.
0: Told you, dude, JT's bi as hell. Yeah. Game recognized game. So, (laughs) so Glory's like, oh my gosh. Oh, he has this, oh, he writes poetry. It's amazing. And she kind of sits down with his notebook reverently in her hands. And Neil says, before you get carried away, you should read it, read it. Some of them are pretty weird. <laughs> and
1: I, literally my notes say, I bet, Neil. <laughs> I bet they are.
0: Neil tells her, kind of implies that the poems really suck. And JT gave them to him so that whenever he's feeling too full of himself, Neil can take him down a few pegs by reminding him what a shitty poet he is. Gloria still thinks it's the best thing ever to go. And she dreamily says, an astrophysicist poet. Ho- holy shit, David! <laughs> Just when I said those words... I reminded myself. I just started writing a new book, and it is about an astrophysicist poet. (laughs) I think this is where the idea came from. (laughs) Oh my god! I can't believe I got inspired to write a novel from fucking Swans Crossing. Of course you
1: did. Help me. Listen. I don't know how you write novels so quickly, first of all. But secondly, oh. you, you've got to pull in for inspiration from wherever you can. That's all I'm saying.
0: I just can't you know? believe this bullshit crept into my subconscious <laughs> to the point where I can... And ah. honestly, like, this book's going to be really good. Like, I worked it all out. I'm like, this is great. This is going to be one of my finest works. Fucking swans crossing. Mm-hmm. Put it in my brain. Yep.
1: Ah. you Uh... When you were this age, did you write poetry?
0: Oh, I wrote poetry and it was bad.
1: Yeah. It yeah. was terrible. Oh, definitely. I have mean,
0: I, I have... I've, I've read the poetry of a few teenage poets that was genuinely good. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the exception and right. not the
1: rule. Most oh.
0: teenagers are real bad writers.
1: Most poets are real bad writers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I can confirm that.
1: I mean, literally, to actually get to the point where you are writing poetry and somebody's like, you're a poet... That's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done.
0: Yeah. Anybody oh, yeah.
1: anybody out there who's actually writing poetry that other people are reading and are like, this is good. Bravo. Yeah,
0: that, that's a real skill. Uh, anyway, Neil says Glory can keep the book of poems, uh, but she can't lose the notebook. She has to protect it and never let anything happen to it.
1: Sorry, I think you said Glory said Neil could keep it. And oh. It's the other way around. Neil says right. Glory could keep it. And seems very emotional about handing this. Probably the most emotional that we've seen, Neil, in a way that wasn't yelling at girls.
0: Yeah, we're getting some actual, like, quality acting here from Eddie Robinson. He's, he's, uh, it's subtle and it's, it's, but it comes across clearly, too. And Glory's like, oh, I'll never let anything happen to it. And Neil sadly says, that's what I thought. So... We go to commercial, we, and we're back, we're still with Neil and Glory for yeah, no reason. Yeah,
1: which makes no sense, because really all that's happening here is that Neil is pacing the room as Glory tries to read the poems, <laughs> and then she decides to leave and asks Neil to have JT give her a call. That's all that happens yeah. in this little snippet of a scene.
0: It was totally pointless, And um, but as she goes, she says, thanks again for the poems, Neil says, I hope they work. Then catches himself to say, to make you feel better. Glory says Neil's hard to understand sometimes, but JT's lucky to have him as a friend, and he's not so bad. To which Neil replies, I hope not. Foreshadowing? Perhaps?
1: What?
0: So, then we're right back to Owen's fever dream. We get a double whammy. I'm yep. so stoked.
1: Jeez. Oh. Oh,
0: Mila asks if he's busy, and he comes out of the dream into real life. And
1: he stumbles all over himself. Like, it is unbelievable that, like, he is completely unprepared to speak to a girl. It's cute, though. <laughs> it is. It's very cute. He tells her to sing. She's never sung with somebody listening. And she asks him what to sing. <laughs> he says, sing this. And he hands her a swan's takeout menu. <laughs>
0: Mila's like okay well what was the song you were playing when I came in and he's like oh it's a song I wrote with Sandy and Mila says well it's Sandy's song then but Owen no tells her to sing it anyway
1: uh, yeah and <laughs> literally my notes say Owen offers to let Mila try Sandy's song this is going to end badly
0: how did you know <laughs> well
1: <laughs> because unlike Ted Lasso everything in this show <laughs> ends badly <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, it's the anti-Ted Lasso is yes. what we've got here, which I just discovered over the last week and a half. Oh, it's
0: great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my it's, gosh. It's fantastic. So then we cut to Sandy, freshly made over. She's wandering happily down the very tiny set of a street in Swan's Crossing, singing that very same song to herself.
1: And she runs into Garrett. Uh, Who seems to almost not recognize her because of the makeover that she's had. So
0: incredible. Um,
1: And uh, she tells him she was rehearsing. They're going to lay down this track for the new song. And he goes, too bad it's not a video. You look really good. And I'm like, dude, your mom just helped her with that makeup. Just Just FYI. Just like, you might want to dial it back like 30,
0: 40%. Right. Seriously. Sandy says thanks and just walks off garrett leers after her because garrett leers at all the girls right then as he walks on he comes across the rutledge mercedes parked beside this the sidewalk with its top down good old plan b he has a flashback to oh when he stood gosh. on the
1: pitcher's mound i love this so it's much it's so great he's, he's standing on the pitcher's mound with his hand outstretched <laughs> Sydney, there's a long, the long look of Sydney as she makes the decision of, do I go to him? Do I stay with my mom? And she turns away. And then he, like, he comes out of the dream. He kicks the convertible. <laughs> he stalks off. Ominous music plays. and credits.
0: Garrett kicks Muffy's car. I love it. Oh, man. It is it's excellent. A- Good episode. Good, good episode.
1: Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, the other thing that was happening to me this week, uh, besides watching all of Ted Lasso, was that I also watched all of the new He-Man cartoon, (gasps) for which Sarah Michelle Gellar is the voice of Tila. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. And she's obviously very good. And I was like, oh, Sarah, I've been watching you in this other show and it's nice to hear your voice in something that is not that. (laughs)
0: Worlds colliding. Yeah.
1: Which, by the way, the new He-Man cartoon is excellent. Oh, and good. all of the haters... Get out of here.
0: Haters gonna hate. Yeah. GTFO. Okay. Who's our psychopath of the week?
1: Oh, jeez. Um...
0: I gotta go with Beric. Because, like, he clearly... He made it obvious in this one that he understands boundaries and he chooses to violate them.
1: Yes. I also have to make a make a case for Owen, though. Because mm. he is living in a completely different plane of existence. That's a tough call. Um, because I feel like this was Barrick being less of a psychopath than we normally see him.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll will agree Owen gets it this time.
1: <laughs> we can have different psychopaths of the week. Yeah. I think we, we can be split.
0: I well yeah, I think we can be split like merely because we had one episode that had two episodes in it. Right. A twofer, so so if I go back and I count up all the psychopaths of the week at the end of the at the show, that'll even us out. So yeah. Beric and Owen. Okay. Swan count?
1: Uh we had two new fake swans, one in the credits, and then we also get the briefest glimpse Of Mila's headboard. Well,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I was, and and I was really, I had to like go back and forth a couple of times to make sure I caught that one because I was like, I'm not missing any more swans. Good
0: catch. Good catch. Yep. All right. What are your predictions?
1: Okay. I think Sandy's going to get back to the studio and discover Mila singing her song with Owen. She's going to be very upset. Uh, There's going to be a tense scene. Mila's not going to know what to do because she's new here. Uh, Owen is going to remind Sandy about her betrayal at 4th of July, or what, not betrayal, but, like, he was pissed off at her about something. And, Sydney's gonna be more in the next episode. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe in the next episode we get the uh, start of the coven meeting, or maybe that's two episodes from now, I'm not sure. I think in the next episode, we find out why Sophia wants to talk to Jimmy. She's gonna come back to the tool and die, which makes no sense. JT is gonna come back, have a tense conversation with Neil. We're gonna find out why Neil has been staring at the computer screen, trying to figure out what's going on. The Baldies come back and they're like, are operative in Swan's Crossing. Has discovered new information. Muffy has a conversation with Sydney about starting the stage project, and Glory spends at least one scene reading through the poems.
0: All right. You have
1: this smile on your face that says he has no idea what's coming, and I can't wait to see.
0: I mean, it's it's like you do know what's coming in some ways, but also you don't know what's coming.
1: Oh no, I never know what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Always.
0: It's going to be great, though. I can promise you that. Oh, um, before we sign off, I have something to plug. By the time this episode comes out, I will have a new book out. So if anybody out there wants to go read one of my books, uh, please do. It's called The Rise of Light. My pen name is Olivia Hawker. Uh, It's not funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Neither is this podcast.
0: (laughs) We at least try to be funny in this podcast, but uh, The Rise of Light is a pretty serious and intense literary novel about a really fucked up family. So if that's your jam... Go check it out. But yeah, that's all I got.
1: Uh, thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing.
0: Yes, and if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. And until next time, my friends. I didn't think of anything for this. Until
1: next time, friends. May your makeup accentuate all your best features.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Bye. Bye. Green puff condition.
1: Yes, it is, except that the top won't come down. You see the problem, don't you? It really needs fixing. Only if it rains. I have a feeling it's about (sighs) to. Not around here.
0: You're not very friendly. Mm,
1: You're too friendly. All I want is... No, I know what you want. You're not going to get it around here. Oh, yeah? Well, where am I going to get it? I think with people your own age, darling.